Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. You're watching Commander's Demand with your host, Sports PSP, exclusively on the Grid Network. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's your boy, Sports PSP, in the building. Welcome, you know, folks. Welcome to another episode of Commander's Demand. Beautiful, happy Wednesday evening. As you all know, folks, Commander's Demand, your boy, Sports PSP. It's a podcast in which your boy, Sports PSP, discusses things surrounding the Washington Commanders. Please go like and follow and subscribe to the podcast the grid network also sports psp you can also check me out on instagram tiktok facebook also go like and follow me on commander's demand right there folks i hope everyone is enjoying a fantastic evening i know i am three months about three months away from football season folks you know i mean it's Man, football season is almost approaching. Um, Tonight, I have a very special guest. Um, First of all, I want to thank him for taking the time to actually come on Commander's Demand. I'm going to allow him to introduce the audience to himself. Um, Please go check him out on his podcast, Carving It Up Podcast. You can check it out on the Grid Network as well. Please like and follow and subscribe to him as on his social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the case may be. The one and only Bryson Carver. Bryson, my man, how you doing? I'm doing great, Parnell. It's great to have you on. I've had you uh, on my show a couple of times, so nice to do a little bit of home-and-home situation, but uh, very excited to be on, man. How you doing? Great, man. I'm wonderful. So please, man, introduce the audience to yourself, man. Tell them who Bryson is, football team, et cetera, et cetera. Who's Bryson Carver? That's a deep question. Okay, so from a from the context of how I got into sort of this uh, this space of doing uh, doing my show called Carving It Up, uh, basically how it started was 
I like you, like I'm sure a lot of the audience, lifelong sports fans, following you know football, baseball, basketball, the whole bit. Uh, and you know, for the longest time, I've always, of course, followed the sports, watched the NFL on Sundays and in the NBA and whatnot. But I've also been very uh, attentive to the sports media landscape. So I've watched ESPN, I've watched Fox Sports, you know, social media, how that all factors into play. And I remember just driving around. Uh, my, my family were driving around. This is about three and a half years ago, I think, almost four years ago to this point. And I was, you know, t- talking about sports or something. And and I remember my dad said point blank, "Why don't you start a podcast?" Mm-hmm. And that thought never really occurred to me. But I'm like. That's actually not a bad idea. Like, you know, and I sort of go into, okay, formulating how the show is going to work over the next uh, couple of months. And then uh, I'm like, okay, the most important part is what the heck's the show going to be called? And of course, my name is Bryson Carver. My sister came up with the name Carving It Up. I'm like, that's that's genius. Like, I'm carving up topics. So <laughs> I wrote the name. And then from that point to now, uh, my incredible mother has been uh, sort of the the uh, the mastermind between uh, behind a lot of the changes that I've made with my show. Whether it's been transitioning to going live uh, in January of 2021. Again, I started the show back in October of 2019. So. Three and a half years into this, I've had a blast doing it. And, uh, of course, being a part of the grid with you now, Parnell, with with our guy uh, Barry Grant Jr. and Mike Guido, who just went live just now, uh, yep. uh, Ryan Flowers, some incredibly talented people here at this network. And uh, very, very fortunate to be here. And you know, just focusing fr- from my, I guess, sort of getting into what my show is about, not to be long-winded, but you know, covering all things going on in sports again, whether it be NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, college sports, uh, and sort of my, my goal every show is to not necessarily just offer you a fresh perspective because I think a lot of people can do that, but to get the audience to think about something that maybe they've never thought about before, whether it's from my perspective or for theirs, uh, whether it's a topic, a game, whatever the case may be. So uh, again, it's probably a, a little bit too long of an introduction, but that's that's kind of how I got into this space of doing uh, doing my show and uh, had a blast doing it ever since. No, no, no. Don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. We got plenty of time. And I love the fact that your father mentioned, hey, why don't you do a sports podcast? Because that's exactly what a lot of friends and family members told me. Why don't you do a sports podcast, given the fact that you know sports so much? And like yourself, I never actually thought of seeing myself doing a podcast, but it it didn't resonate at first. But once I actually tried it, I'm like, okay. And kind of like yourself, I started actually started doing these types of videos like March of 2020, like during the pandemic. There was nothing really much to do. Tell me about it doing sports videos and you know that's how i kind of got into the business as well um i noticed that you are a tennessee dude you are a tennessee volunteers fan how did you become a tennessee volunteers fan uh i was born in 2003 that's how i became a tennessee fan no it's it, it is it is blood uh you know in, in our family we're you know living in this in this state uh, obviously my dad mom huge tennessee fans grandparents mm-hmm. cousins go goes goes way back uh so yeah that's my, my story becoming a tennessee vols fan is probably the least uh nuanced or complicated of any of the teams that i root for uh so yeah it's and it's exciting too because Tennessee is, I feel like, doesn't get the credit. We don't get the credit we deserve to a certain degree when it comes to we talk about schools like, say, Stanford or even Oklahoma as being sort of the everything school. They're good in just about every sport. I think Tennessee, Georgia. you know, we, yeah, Georgia with what they've been able to do, bringing, uh, you know, 
our football team is, is is on the come up. Our basketball team year in and year out is in the NCAA tournament. Same with women's basketball, which had a fantastic run under the late great Pat Summit. Uh, baseball, we our season just ended the other day, but got to Omaha softball. Uh, did the same thing with there with the women's college World Series. So, yeah, be, being a Tennessee fan is kind of like a it's. It's this short of a requirement. They might, I might have been booted from the family had I gone in any other direction. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely uh, pulling for the big orange till till the day I die. No question about it. Oh, no question about it. And of course, I I hope though that with the 16th overall pick, the Commanders, I thought we would have gotten an offensive lineman. Your boy Darnell Wright. Oh of Tennessee yeah. he would have definitely been a great fit for the commanders but of course we took Emmanuel Forbes we needed some help with the DB back position now NFL who is your NFL team which NFL team do you root for is it the Tennessee Titans given the fact that you are located in Tennessee or is it any team that I don't know off the top of my head see it's funny you ask that question because this so I'll, I'll frame it like this. So I've been a or was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan f- from the time I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and around the time uh, that I became a Cowboys fan. So this is around 2014, 15. That around that time, I started to become a fan of this quarterback from Mississippi State. You may have heard of them, uh, Parnell, Mister Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I became a big Dak guy. And I remember being a Cowboys fan in 2016. And th- I remember NFL Network ran a special on him. And I'm thinking, okay, like I. I I hope Dallas takes this guy so we can sort of groom him behind Tony Romo and he can eventually become the guy. Of course, we all know the story. He, he ends up due to a Romo injury becoming the starter, and he's been the guy ever since in Dallas. But around the time the contract negotiation, around 2020, when Jerry and Dak were sort of going back and forth with that, when Dak suffered the serious ankle injury in October mm-hmm. of 2020, I sort of went on my show. I'm like, okay, I'm out on Dallas. I'm going to stick with Dak. And, you know, whoever Dak plays for, you know, even if he plays for Philadelphia Eagles, God forbid, uh, if that were to come to be, you know, that's that that's going to be my guy. Um, and this January, I sort of made the announcement that I think I'm going to go ahead and pick a new team. Like, not not that, I, again, I, I, I stopped rooting for the Cowboys about two and a half years ago, but I'm like, you know what? I got to I got to pick a team. Being a free agent fan feels feels weird. So. The Titans were in that mix. Uh, I thought about the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Seattle. I remember, uh, you know, thinking about them. And it's come down to two teams. It's come down to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's come down to the San Francisco 49ers. But even recently, and th- th- this could this could make it very anticlimactic if I decide to choose this team. Um, <laughs> not this team, but this situation. I thought, I've, I felt a little bit of guilt about potentially ditching Dak and not pulling wow. for the team that Dak pulls for. So again, that's that's not like an announcement or anything like, oh, I'm going to stick with, but it has been, um, let's just say it's a difficult decision. So as we're sitting here today, Parnell, uh, I do not have an NFL team, and it is absolutely agonizing, and I don't wish this type of pain upon anybody. Well, one thing's for sure, Barry and Ryan will not expect you to be a Dallas Cowboy fan. They don't expect you wearing a Dallas Cowboy jersey anytime soon. Um. I'm shocked that you are a huge Dak Prescott fan, given the fact Tennessee, you know, um, Mississippi State, and Dak Prescott, you know, throughout his career, just watching him seven years, has proven to be pretty good quarterback uh, for the Cowboys. Definitely been doing a solid job since replacing Tony Romo. What I look at Dak Prescott so far is the middle of the road quarterback. The problem with him is he's been too inconsistent, and he's coming off a tough 
performance against the San Francisco 49ers. They had a really good chance of winning that game. Their defense played well all throughout the season, but Dak overall didn't play particularly well. What's next for Dak and the Dallas Cowboys? How can they can get to going to a Super Bowl? Because it's been since, what, 1995, 1996, since they've last won a Super Bowl or been to one and even an NFC championship game. Yeah, I actually uploaded a uh, a clip from um from one of my idols in the business Colin Cowherd. He was talking about the Dallas Cowboys and he said that since like 2000 uh, they should like the top New England has like 30 playoff wins uh, since since 2000. I think second distant second is Philadelphia with 16. Dallas is near the bottom with I think four it was uh, four playoff wins. So again, I've I've always when it comes to the Cowboys failures, I've always said it it's, it's, you know comes from the top. There have been different coaches, there have been different quarterbacks. Heck, there have been different stadiums in that run. But it's all there's, there's one common denominator when it comes to being uh, in no other. In no other words, an egomaniac to a certain degree with Jerry Jones, uh, in, in terms of how he's how he's managed the team. How he's been sort of a uh, he, he's obviously been the de facto general manager. He's he's appointed himself in that role. And I guess listen, I can't criticize Jerry in the sense that he hasn't drafted well. Uh, but you know, when, when it comes to aggressiveness in the offseason, when it comes to the current mold of of building a successful NFL franchise, if you feel like you're on the cusp of competing for a Super Bowl, and that's putting the adequate pieces around your starting quarterback, um. As for Dallas and and Dak in particular next year, look, they're obviously there's no question they're gonna be a playoff team in the NFC. Um, you know, considering they got a, a good defense coming back, a defense which I quite frankly got better adding Stephon Gilmore, adding some pieces in the draft. Um, but it is going to stem from Dak, and I hundred percent agree with you. And I said the next day on my show, he did not play well enough to win that game against the San Francisco 49ers in the division round. He, in my opinion, was probably his worst playoff game. Um, I disagree with you from the standpoint of he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. I've always made the case that when we talk about who are the top 10 guys, and I always say Dak's around that 8-9, worst-case 10 spot, and anytime we talk about the top 10, once you get behind past the obvious guys, you're Mahomes, you're Joe Burrows, you're Josh Allen, you're Aaron Rodgers, you start to have a really interesting discussion in terms of Dak's playoff success uh, when it comes to Dak's, uh, again, year in and year out. He wins 10 games, 10 more games, 10 more games. Um in terms of the interceptions, I think that's going to be the thing that everybody's going to focus on next year, whether or not he can clean it up, because some interceptions, sure, were bad luck off the hands of a receiver, but some of them were poor decision-making. So that's got to, me, for me, be the, the one thing that Dak addresses this offseason. Again, new play caller with Mike McCarthy for the first time calling the plays since the departure of Kellen Moore to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, as for Dallas, listen, I, from, from an expectation standpoint, I see them as about an 11-win team. It's coming in a, in, a, in a close second to Philadelphia to, for the NFC East title again, and maybe a playoff win, depending on who they draw. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned you actually think Dak Prescott is a top-10 quarterback. Yes. So in your opinion, give me a bunch of quarterbacks you would take right now over Dak Prescott. Okay, so you got the obvious ones. Mahomes, it's first of all, this is Mahomes league, and everybody else, we're all just living in it. We, so we got, all agree there. That's the consensus. There's no question. Patrick Mahomes, I, I got Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Um, I got Trevor. I think Trevor Lawrence, the third best quarterback in the league. I think he's gonna have a huge. Wow. I love Trevor Lawrence. I think he's gonna have a huge 2023 season. Trevor Lawrence. Um, I've got uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. I mean, listen, Jalen Hurts. I understand he only had one great year, but he did get to the Super Bowl in that year. So, what's what have you done for me lately? Uh, I'll take Aaron Rodgers over Dak. I would again, Justin Herbert's the tricky one. Herbert, from a talent perspective, is better than Dak, but 
again, I, I I need to see him win a playoff game, and let's just keep it real. We'd be crushing Dak if he had lost a 27-zip lead in a playoff game. I cannot even I imagine what the what the media reaction would be to that. Um, I agree. I agree. I know I'm missing. So I remember I, I did a list, and I had Dak at right at eight or nine. I'm trying to remember the guy I had over him. Uh, might have been Derek. Was it Derek Carr? You didn't even mention Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. That's who it was. Lamar Jackson. Yes, yeah, I love Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Lamar, and then – it's kind of a toss up between Dak and Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, like sort of that category. That's where I got him. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually shocked. You actually think it's that close between Herbert and Dak. I mean, I understand, and I've been critical of Justin Herbert. There have been times I've been very too hard on him, but most GMs, they feel like, you know what, we would rather go forward with Justin Herbert because of the prototype, you know, 6'6, sure. 240, rocket of an arm. And yes, I, killed them for his perform his playoff performance even though a lot of people said it was brandon staley the defense but i feel like if you're that good of a quarterback there's no way you should have lost a 27 point lead and it was against trevor lawrence who was also in his first playoff game as you so I'm actually shocked that you have Trevor Lawrence at three because a lot of people have said Trevor Lawrence is overrated and overhyped. Oh, listen, that, that, I, that's shocking to me. Um, your thoughts on that? No, I, I could listen. Anybody who says Trevor Lawrence is overrated did not watch the second half of last season. If you look at the, just from a pure number standpoint, heck, from a winning standpoint, argument can be made that Mahomes aside, he was probably the best quarterback in the second half of last season. Even in, you know, you mentioned the, the playoff game against the Chargers. He was abysmal uh, in the first half of that game. Uh, and then obviously played played lights out in the second half, scored on every single drive. And even in the playoff loss to Kansas City, folks forget Jacksonville. And listen, they Jacksonville's for, certainly from a talent perspective, Kansas City's got the edge. But, you know, Jacksonville, if, 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 if Trevor, you know, makes a couple throws, if a couple guys make some plays, you know, they have a real chance to win that game in Arrowhead Stadium. And who knows where they get after that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Trevor Lawrence from a, again, from a pure talent perspective, from a pure upside perspective is the best quarterback that we've seen, dare I say in the last 25 years. I mean, I think he's that special. I mean, he, when you talk about if you could build the prototypical quarterback on Madden, big, you mentioned six, six, big arm, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. a, a big guy, big arm, accurate, mobile, good leadership intangibles, hardworking, overwhelmingly doesn't turn the football over is coachable. Like. I'm not sure, so sure what there what there isn't to like. That's I've got, I've got him at number three. I think he's gonna be the MVP discussion in 2023. Yeah, I, I definitely. Um, he'll definitely be in the MVP con, um, conversation. I think he's only gonna get better. I think Doug Peterson to the team compared to what he had his rookie year in Urban oh. Meyer, substantial yeah. difference. And, and of course, it does benefit that you're in the without question the worst division in football, the AFC South. But I think Trevor Lawrence. You know, I I, I thought. Him being compared to Andrew Luck was a little bit too much, but I'm starting to realize and understand why a lot of people see him that way. But um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to ball out. Um, there was another quarterback that you didn't mention. I know he probably won't start until the middle of the season, and that's my guy from Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. Do you think Dak is better than Kyler? hundred percent. I, I, I have yet to see it. First of all, I've yet to see Kyler outside of his rookie year start week one and end the season in moderately good health. Uh, a lot of that has to, has to do with the size. Some of that has to do with how he plays the game. But uh, again, I always say 
roles reverse. And I understand for, in the defense of Kyler would be, well, he plays in a lot more dysfunctional over an organization than Dak. That's totally fair. Although I wouldn't, I don't think Dallas is exactly the model of how an organization should be run uh, in the <laughs> NFL. But I, I think again with Kyler, one playoff appearance and in that playoff game, he was dreadful against was the Los Angeles Rams. Terrible. I mean, I, I, the, I, the he had a QBR of eight, and he threw like two interceptions, including one of the worst pick sixes you could That's, possibly ever. Watch. I was about to mention that 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 pick six just just is, is, is burned into my memory from that game. Um, again, I think from uh, Kyler's got a better arm. I think Dak's more accurate. I think Dak's more uh, durable, certainly from an intangible standpoint. There's no argument whatsoever in that regard. Uh, you, you can always count on Dak to, to be the first guy in the building, last one to leave. Um, and and you, you've you heard reports coming out of Arizona where you, you hear guys like have really, really had some issues with Kyler. I have yet to hear the first one uh, regarding Dak Prescott. Um, so, yeah, 100 by the way, Dak plays in the tougher division in the, in the NFC East today, which might be the best or second-best division in football. So I would 100% deck, take Dak over Kyler Murray. I mean, by the way, by the way, there's a reason that the Cardinals are considering, hey, we, we might just want to go into a tank job and take Caleb Williams. Would they be exactly. doing that if they really believed in Kyler? I think not. Yeah, and there, and there was even reports that the Cardinals were possibly trading Kyler to Atlanta. So, I mean, it seems to me, and I love Kyler. I mean, I, I was a huge Kyler Murray fan coming out of Oklahoma, but I cannot argue about the questions of his character. I mean, think about it. The Cardinals, when they gave him the contract, they put an independent study clause in his contract in which he had to study for four hours. I've never heard anything like that in my life. It's unprecedented. And with Kyler, there have been a lot of questions about his character, his work ethic. I haven't heard that with Dak Prescott. I mean, there have yeah. been questions about Dak Prescott in terms of his performance, but as far as a person, his character, Dak Prescott is unquestionably a better leader than Kyler Murray. And I hope for Kyler, he takes a step up as far as maturity and leadership. But hey, if the Arizona Cardinals, if they're going to go on tanking mode and get their hands on Caleb Williams, which I hate, by the way, because I've been on the record saying on this show with the new ownership, Josh Harris, they should trust the process, tank the rest of the season to get their hands on Caleb Williams. Because for me, I'm I like Sam Howell, but I don't see him as the long term solution. He could be a solid quarterback in the NFL, but I, I need a franchise type of quarterback. And if we finish seven seven and 10 or six and 11 for me as a Washington commanders fan, that's not going to satisfy me. I would rather tank the rest of the season and get Caleb Williams. Or if we could get our hands on Drake may from North Carolina, I wouldn't mind having I like Drake. him too. Yeah. I like him a lot too. Six, four, two twenty, got a strong enough arm, but we'll talk about the commanders in a little bit, but more about with the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy is under the hot seat in 2023 now kellen so? moore is no longer the offensive coordinator for the team mike mccarthy is the head coach he's now going to be calling the offensive plays i've been on the record saying this about mike mccarthy same as shannon sharp he's more of a product of brett Favre and aaron Rodgers because without those two great quarterbacks what is he i mean but when he had kellen moore as the offensive coordinator he wasn't getting credit for calling the plays and we all know he's not responsible for the defense that's Dan Quinn. So how do you feel with Mike McCarthy calling the plays on offense this year? Because there have been questions about clock management and his leadership. Yeah, I mean, I've always been sort of lukewarm on Mike McCarthy. I know I, I liked the hire when when they first made it a few years ago back in 2020 following the 
the the, the again i was a cowboys fan at the time like uh, i was just you know, thanking the the good lord above that they finally move on from jason garrett i felt like mccarthy was not great i still feel like mccarthy is is a significantly better football coach than the jason garrett is um look at it from the let's just look at it from the the optimist perspective mike mccarthy comes in 2020 again that's there's a pandemic year and every single team in the nfl to deal with that but you come in, you bring in, uh, I forgot, I think it was Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator's name. The defense is a wreck. Yes. Dak goes down in week five, so you're without your starting quarterback for the remainder of that year. And listen, as bad as that division was, I remember your, uh, your, at the time, Washington football team won in 2020, got to the playoffs. Dallas was in the mix last week of the season to get there. But they win six games, there's no quarterback. The next year, double their wins from six to, six to 12, win the NFC East, and then, of course, the disappointing loss to San Francisco. The following year, you win 12 games, you don't win the division, but you're able to do what you weren't able to do the last couple of years, and that's when a playoff game on the road, albeit it was against Tampa Bay, but that's, listen, we if, if we learned anything through through 23 years of watching football, it's don't bet against that guy who, who wore number 12 for you know for the Patriots and for the Bucks. So it was an exactly. important win for Dallas, and of course, again, falling once again to San Francisco. So from a from a purely logical standpoint, you would say, okay, you know, shouldn't we expect Dallas to be a little bit better this year? I don't think that those are unfair assumptions to have. I don't necessarily agree about McCarthy being in the hot seat for that very reason. Um, now, I, I, again, I there is an, I agree with you. There's an added pressure with him now calling the plays in Dallas. Uh, you know, we, we understand that that was kind of his calling card back in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, and even before he got to Green Bay, I think he was the Niners' offensive coordinator before he got the Packers' job. Uh, and, and listen, it is. I would argue with just about any coach, and I'm not trying to make it out like Mike McCarthy is this world beater, like he's Andy Reid or somebody, but I would argue with just about any coach that, you know, you pair him with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and then you pair him with Dak, who I I love Dak, but I'm not exactly going on the record, say he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, there's going to be a drop-off. You're not going to be uh, as as productive from a from a purely, you know, from a quarterback standpoint. Um, and, and so, I mean, look at Andy Reid, you know, again, as an example, had Donovan McNabb, had Alex Smith, was successful, but it wasn't until he got a generational talent that oh, all of a sudden we're talking about Andy Reid as potentially the best coach in football. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I, it would have to take Dallas having just a disastrous season, like missing the playoffs, winning eight or nine games, uh, in order for me to even think about moving on from Mike McCarthy. Okay, and um, last thing before we, our last subject about the Cowboys, you mentioned Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, um, owner, GM of the Dallas Cowboys. Look. He's done a good job as far as drafting players. Also, him and his son, Stephen Jones. Um, Stephen Jones was the one who talked Jerry out of drafting Johnny Menzel and going forward with Zach Martin. How do you feel about Jerry? Yeah, I, I've always been pretty critical of Jerry Jones. Um, listen, from if we're looking at Jerry as as an owner, just look, Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, he's done a tremendous job. When mm -hmm. it comes to, again, the Cowboys are the most valuable sports franchise in the world. They always get all the primetime games, the, the NBC Sunday night and Monday night, Thursday night, and the big games on Fox and CBS and Thanksgiving Day. No owner in, I would argue, American team sports history, aside from the late Jerry Buss with the, the Los Angeles Lakers, has done as good of a job as marketing his product, being the Dallas Cowboys, than Gerald Wayne Jones has. So I'll give him all the credit in the world uh, in that regard. The problem is he's hired himself to be the general manager, and that's where he's gotten himself into trouble. Um, when you talk about you know what he's done as, as the GM, and I mentioned, and you mentioned that you know he's done a solid job in the draft. Let's you know keep it honest here and say that's mostly a, a product of Will McClay and then the job that he's done there running the football department. Oh yeah, we can't uh, forget about him. 
he's done a fantastic job with, with some of the guys they've taken the first round. Like, I mean, name, name, uh, get, put, put a long list of Cowboys first round busts since he's been there. Like all of them have been pretty good football players. Um, my issues with Jerry have from a strategical standpoint, not being aggressive after free agents in the off season. I mean, the, the guy is the king at clearing cap space, whether it's restructuring Dax deal or Zach Martin's deal or whoever it may be uh, releasing Ezekiel and they, you know, Deandre Hopkins is, I don't know if anybody knows is still out there and Dallas seems to have absolutely no interest whatsoever, which just, you know, it's mind boggling. It is. It's mind boggling. And, and again, the, the, the thing that I think bothers me the most is that no owner again that I know of in American team sports does press conferences, uh, you know, after games and do does radio appearances twice a week that causes an unneeded amount of pressure on the coach, on the quarterback, on the entire team that, again, you play for the Cowboys. There's already pressure. There's no need to add to that. uh, You know, from the standpoint of, uh, of trying to market your market, your product, people are going to watch the Dallas Cowboys regardless. And so, and I've criticized Jerry too, that I feel like his priorities have been more, more aimed towards the Cowboys being on television, being a, 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 a global brand as opposed to, as opposed to winning Super Bowls. And again, too, it's the most, probably the most egregious move. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The most egregious firing in the history of the NFL is... Jimmy Johnson firing, firing Jimmy Johnson after winning back-to-back Super Bowls. That'd be like if Kansas City wins next year and Andy Reid gets the boot. Like it's it, it does, but it came from Jerry. He he wanted the credit. He wants again. I don't doubt the man wants to win a Super Bowl. I don't. I think he's different from a guy who used to own the Commanders, Dan Snyder. Yeah. But the, the problem is Jerry wants to win, but it's got to be his way. He he's he's not adapted to the modern NFL and how you do it like the Hunt family or like the Rooney family. And I'm glad that you mentioned it, and I think that was the worst thing that ever happened to Dallas Cowboys history by firing Jimmy Johnson, and the fact that he fired Jimmy Johnson, replaced him, I think, with Barry Switzer, and then winning a Super Bowl, that gave Jerry the validation, you know what, I don't need a great head coach, I don't need a great GM, I don't need all of this, I can win a Super Bowl as long as I do it my way, and that's been the Cowboys for two and a half decades, so I'm, this is... I, I'm actually shocked we're having this conversation. I know it's commander's <laughs> demand, but hey, sports PSP, I, I, I talk about anything. And I, I'm glad that there are some objective Cowboy fans. There's you, there's Ryan. Now, Barry, I don't trust. I, I mean, he, I don't he, think anybody trusts Barry Parnell. No, he, he, listen, I love him like a brother, but when it comes <laughs> to his Cowboys, he's delusional. So I'm going to. By the way, for the record, for the record, I again, I want to make this clear. I am not a Cowboys fan. I'm a former Cowboys fan. I just want to want that. But you are a Dak Prescott I'm a Dak fan. fan. Exactly. No question about it. Um, I want to talk to you about the running back position. I saw your clip on what you said about Saquon Barkley, and you made some really great points. And I'm all for players getting their money. I have no problem with Saquon Barkley getting their money, but you also made another great point from an organizational standpoint. I understand you understand what the New York Giants are doing. And I hate to see it with running backs because it's not just Saquon. Look, Dalvin Cook has had four consecutive seasons of over a thousand yards, 43 touchdowns, perennial Pro Bowl quarterback, Pro Bowl running back. I'm sorry, but 
can't even find a job at this point. And Saquon had a great year last year. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. But the past couple of seasons, he had before that season, he was hurt. And that's been the question with Saquon, his durability. And then Daniel Jones, I, I don't understand how he, well, the Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. That definitely played a factor. And, of course, he his agent has to be agent of the year because <laughs> to get him a four-year, I don't know how much money it was, 160-something, like 40, yeah, 40 million per year. I mean, that's crazy. But, again, that's where the market is going with the quarterbacks. Um, talk to me more about how you feel about Saquon and the running backs in general. Yeah, and I did a segment about that a couple of weeks ago. Just for the record, before I even get into the, the contracts uh, situation with Saquon with other running backs, I absolutely like you defend Saquon would defend any player, especially running backs trying to get their their due share. Because the thing is, running backs get one contract. If you're a great NFL quarterback, unless you're Mahomes and you signed a ten year deal a, a few years ago, you're going to get three, maybe even four big time contracts. Wide receivers in today's NFL are getting paid what quarterbacks did just five years ago. So again, offensive linemen, if if, if they are you know if they have a long career. Running backs, I've always said, are the last unprotected position in the NFL. We have all these rules to protect quarterbacks, even linemen, uh, wide receivers, even defensive players to a certain degree. Heck, we even have rules to protect kickers and punters. Running backs, Absolutely. you can hit them. Unless they're a pass catcher, you can hit them however you want, you know, wherever you want. Um, and, and so I think with, you know, with Saquon, who's been one of the premier backs of the last, you know, half decade, he's more than justified wanting to get his fair share. And even to be fair to Saquon, he said he doesn't want to reset the market. He doesn't want to be the highest paid running back. He just wants to be paid what he feels like he's, he's, he's earned to this point. But as you mentioned, with the Giants, with those other teams that have paid running backs, I mentioned Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, who is a tremendous player. But again, yes. it goes back to the whole, Running backs in today's NFL, star running backs at least, do not equate to to winning the way that they used to in terms of being completely reliant on them. Maybe 10 years ago, like the Seahawks with beast mode and Russell Wilson being in more of a game manager, kind of a limited role, you could do that back then. But with today's league, and heck, college football's changed in this regard as well, and that's, again, it's a quarterback's league. If you don't have a player that is capable of taking you to the promised land, you've got a very hard ceiling as far as how, how far you can go. And so why spend that running on a running back when, by the way, there are plenty of guys year in and year out in the draft. Isaiah Pacheco being the best example. Heck, Damian Pierce with the Houston Texans was excellent last year. Plenty of guys yeah. that come come in through the draft that are you know, excellent day one if you give them the proper offensive line and you don't have to pay them near what you have to pay a Dalvin Cook, a Derrick Henry, a Saquon Barkley, a Christian Ezekiel McCaffrey. Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, absolutely. Again, mm -hmm. he's he, he, you know he's currently a free agent. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson back in the day. So Adrian Peterson even, I, I feel like they kind of snake bit, uh, or not snake bit, sort of uh, handcuffed Minnesota and what they could do. Bottom line, and it, it sort of points back to, if you don't have a, 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 not even necessarily an elite quarterback, but a capable quarterback, like a, a top 12, like worst case scenario, you're Kirk Cousins, you cannot go win a championship in the National Football League, whether you got a star running back or not. It's irrelevant. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, I just feel like nowadays with running backs, and I hate to say it, they're replaceable. I mean, you can get yeah. a running back in like in the second, the third, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, however round you want to look at it. And with the Atlanta Falcons, they had the eighth overall pick. Remember, we were watching the draft. Yeah. And they took Bijan Robinson when Jalen Carter was available. And then one pick after the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, shit, That's right. Stole but let's try to say that name as little as possible, Parnell. But, <laughs> but 
I but I, but again, Atlanta, they're known for offense. I think that's what they're predicated on. Philadelphia, they just took the best player out there available. So, but I, I definitely understand your position about the whole running back. I hope Saquon Barkley at some point gets his money. Sure. But I do see in the next couple of years, they're going to move on from him. And I, 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 and I, I hate to say that, but unfortunately, that is just the reality with running backs. If he were any other position other than quarterback, like offensive lineman, wide receiver, defensive lineman, he would have been taken care of. And with running backs, I get it. You know, they have to take that huge contract at first. Now, if they were like a wide receiver type of running back, like an Alvin Kamara, hey, they got a better chance, though. But a traditional running back, they don't last that long. I mean, look at Zeke. I mean, Zeke's been in the oh. league for like seven years. He's out now. Dalvin Cook. I mean, Derrick Henry. I hope Derrick Henry still lasts that long. And I believe he'll probably be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I hope. But it's just replaceable. Just and something, like that. and it's not just the fact that it's re- replaceable, but increasingly. And, and I don't think this has come to the fruition to the in the sense that you know paying running backs sort of you know holds you back from championship contention because we've seen teams that run the football effectively get as far as the Super Bowl, like Philadelphia, San Francisco years back. But I, I think I, I saw a stat like the last four years. Uh, we have not had a team that has been ranked in the top like 1920 in rushing that has won the Super Bowl. Why? Because you've had Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, and Mahomes again. You've gotten elite, elite quarterback play, uh, you know, tr- tremendous play calling, you know, uh, tremendous wide receivers, good protection from the offensive line. Mm-hmm. At this point, you mentioned running backs are replaceable. I would argue to a limited degree, if you have a great quarterback, like if you have like a top five guy, it's kind of an after, like you don't necessarily need it. I mean, you you, you think about it too. You can almost look at the screen game as yeah. as a as a as a running game, like you know these short passes. You know these very creative offensive coordinators now. They're they're very very crafty of how they can do that. And by the way, minimize punishment to some of your best players being your running backs. Yeah, yeah, I, can't, I couldn't agree more. Anyway, let's talk about the Washington Commanders. As we all know, folks, Commanders demand. I've said it here on the show, Bryson. I've said that the commanders, they should just tank the rest of the season, try to get their hands on Caleb Williams or Drake May. I just don't see Ron Rivera as the long-term solution for the commanders. You know, when he first came in as the head coach, I wasn't as excited, but I was pleased nevertheless because he provided leadership. He provided a defensive background. Um, We did draft Chase Young with the number two pick in the draft. And I love Chase Young, but there have been questions about his durability. Um, I don't know if you saw Ryan's podcast, and please go check out Ryan's podcast. does a great job. He asked me some questions about the possibility, the rumors of Chase Young being traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you feel about the commanders in general? Because this is a team that is favored to finish last place in the division. What are your thoughts about the commanders? Yeah, I think the commanders are on a short list of teams this year that I, I would agree with you that need to strongly consider tanking. I think the, the Vegas Raiders are in that discussion. Uh, I, I think Atlanta sort of on that brink because I'm not all that high on Desmond Ritter, but because they play in so bad of a division, they might, you know, does it hurt to maybe try and contend for the playoffs? Um, I think Arizona, we mentioned earlier, it, it wouldn't be poorly served tanking. Uh, yeah, and Washington's in that, in that discussion as well. I, I was a... I was a big fan of the Ron Rivera hiring when they made it back in early 2020. And again, it, to, to a certain degree, again, if you were to defend Ron Rivera, you could say, hey, he 
it's not like he's been dealt the greatest hand, especially when you consider the ownership of the last few years. It's not, and that's not that's not unique to Rivera. I mean, every other Commanders coach, you know, since Dan Snyder brought the team, has had to deal with that. Um, but you, you consider the fact that he has yet to have any consistent, steady quarterback play. And the, the great, the best quarterback play he got for the longest period of time was Taylor Aaron Heineke. Heineke. The last couple of years, maybe, and and again, Taylor's. I, I like him, but he, he's a, he's a backup quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you mentioned guys like Sam Howell. You had a, a hobbled uh, Alex Smith in that year in 2020. Um, so you, you've had plenty of guys. It's been a revolving door of, of quarterbacks there. Carson Wentz last year, and so I, I think with with Rivera, he's been dealt a bad hand. But listen, the beauty for Washington, and to their credit, they were able to make this move. I think they have their their future head coach in house, and it's Eric Bieniemy. And, and by the way, before anybody comes out and says, well, he didn't call plays in Kansas City. Well, neither did uh, Matt Nagy. Neither did Doug Peterson in Kansas thank City. You. Two guys, thank, thank you. Thank two guys you. in the Andy Reid system. By the way, uh, John Harbaugh came from the Andy Reid system. Special teams coach. How's he done in Baltimore? He's, he's been one of the premier coaches in the league for a long time now. So I don't want to hear that excuse from anybody about Eric the enemy. But, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a match made in heaven from the perspective of you've got the new ownership group. Now, you, you again, you play in a, arguably the toughest division of football where the other three teams have a clear talent advantage over you, and I think a clear coaching advantage at this particular moment in time. You got, you got your new head coach in the building with Eric Bieniemy, and you could either get Caleb Williams or Drake May, you know, two of the most talented quarterbacks with a creative offensive play caller. And by the way, you still got Terry McLaurin. You still, I mean, commanders still have some pieces on the opposite side of the ball that they and can Jahan build around. Dotson had a solid rookie year, so yeah, there's there's plenty of of optimism for Washington. It just doesn't necessarily have to come uh, this season. So I'm with you. I, 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 it wouldn't be like you said. The worst case scenario is if Washington won six or seven games, and they're that middle thing. Is as the old saying goes, sports hell is good enough or right in the middle. You know, if, if you're, <laughs> you you want to. In any instance, the best case scenario is if you're awesome and competing for championships, but second to that is you suck because in both instances, you have a direction, you know what you want to do, you, what, what you got to do, and you pursue that. Uh, if you're right in the middle, you're kind of like, are we good enough? Do we do we need to just add a few more pieces? Are we that close to contention? Uh, should we blow it up? Like, I, I don't think Washington's uh, strategy is, is is that difficult, and unfortunately, Ron Rivera may have to, to pay the price for it with the job. Yeah, unfortunately, he may have to. Um... And you mentioned you brought up Eric Bieniemy, and I'm actually I love the fact that you brought up the point. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, what he was a product of Andy Reid, but you've mentioned Matt Nagy, you've mentioned John Harbaugh, you mentioned Doug Peterson. Did any of them call plays during their time with Andy Reid? No, no. and and, and uh, you know Harbaugh again was a special teams guy, and special right. teams guy never get jobs. Right. And speaking of Eric Bieniemy. It, I don't know how you feel about this, but I strongly feel the reason why is because, of course, Eric Bieniemy, African American coach. You know, a lot of times, a lot of black coaches don't get the opportunities to become NFL head coaches. People have said Eric Bieniemy is terrible when it comes to interviews. What What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I listen. Uh, when it comes to the interview thing, I, I've watched his press conferences. If his performance in the interviews or anything near his press conferences, then I don't know how he's how anybody would would describe it as bad. Like that's that's just that's the first thing. He seems to have a real commanding presence around. You know, no pun intended with the name of the show and the name of the football team. Um, but seems to have a real commanding presence with with the offense, with the quarterbacks, whoever it is, be it Mahomes or anybody else. Um, and yeah, there's no question. Like that, there. It's, it's the elephant in the room every hiring cycle when we talk about black coaches not getting jobs in the NFL. Uh, I always use not to continue to, to bag on the Dallas Cowboys, but there's no 
greater example, this, at least in my view, outside of Brian, the Brian Flores situation, because that was the ultimate extreme. But, right. you know, Jerry Jones interviews two people and when, when Jason Garrett gets fired, and that's Marvin Lewis and Mike McCarthy. Marvin mm. Lewis, we know, is a Rooney Rule interview. And yep. Mike McCarthy, man, he invites a man to his house. They eat nachos, beer and uh, nachos. He, sp- he beer and nachos. He spends the night. He stays at Jerry's uh, uh, mansion. And I think even Jerry Jones Jr. told uh, his dad, "Hey, I think we got ourselves a head coach." Like, well, I, did you interview him? Like, well, what was that was a weird, you know, hiring process. But that's that's typically been but, the case. But again, as long as Jerry loves you, at, at the end of the day, you get. I mean, look at Jason Garrett. He looked at Jason Garrett oh, like a son. He did. Yeah, yeah. you darn right he did. And, and that's, but again, too, to the bigger discussion about black coaches not getting jobs, uh, are we at three or four? Because I know, obviously, um, crap, what's the guy's name in Houston? Uh, um, oh, what's a guy in Houston just got fired, former Chicago head coach. Um, oh, um, my gosh. Oh, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith. Smith. Yeah, Lovey yeah. Smith lost his job. I know Tom Bowles kept his job in Tampa Bay. Mike McDaniel's a minority coach. Uh, you know, we'll see if Brian Flores gets a job in the future. But it's, you know, I've even, <laughs> just keep it real, I've, I've written papers on the on, on this issue in, in school about how the NFL needs to address this. And, again, the Rooney rule, I've always said it was a well-intentioned rule by the late, great Art Rooney. Right. Um, or Dan Rooney, I think it was his name, Dan Rooney. But it doesn't work in 2023. I don't know if it's going to take competition with draft picks, which, quite frankly, if that's if, if that's what's going to take for for you know for these but organizations. But didn't that work for the Miami Dolphins when they hired Mike McDaniel to be the head coach? And did they get Did they get compensation for that? I I, I think so. I I, I don't okay. really, I don't recall that. But I, I agree with you. Um, it, it should take much more. And when I look at Eric Bieniemy, offensive mind, Andy Reid coaching tree. Best coaching tree yeah. out there. I mean, we've 100%. seen plenty of coaches that have come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, from um, Romeo Cornell, Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia. You know, last year he was an offensive coordinator, and we all know defense is a, what he does best. And we've seen a bunch of guys from the Bill Belichick coaching tree that haven't worked out. Why not give Eric Bieniemy a shot? I hope he could become the head coach for the commanders so that hopefully by next year you can give him a quarterback to work with. And um, speaking of the quarterback, I want to talk to you about Sam Howell. We only saw Sam Howell play one game last year, and that was the season finale against the Dallas Cowboys. I thought he looked solid. I thought he played pretty well. I didn't mind him playing at some point during the season because I told everyone how I felt about Carson Wentz I, I I the moment they traded to get him I was disgusted I was furious I was embarrassed I felt like either Heineke or Howell either one of those two quarterbacks how do you feel in Sam Howell yeah I mean it's there's not a whole lot to judge him off of uh considering it was that one start but the one thing I will give him he seemed I know he had one interception that was bad but outside of that yeah. he seemed uh poised he seemed comfortable um and again that that that's and it wasn't like the typical week 18 start where you just throw a guy out there hey let's see what he has you know listen Washington had nothing to play for but Dallas had a ton to play for if you remember they still had a slim chance to not just win the division but I think even get the one seed and right. a first run by so they're trotting out their best players they've got a game plan uh defensively and by the way this is a defense that gave Tom Brady problems gave Brock Purdy problems. Uh, and, and Sam Howell seemed again, I'm not gonna act like he was like a world beater. He didn't like put on a Mahomes performance, but again, he seemed he was fairly accurate. He had a pass rating in the low 80s, so which is about what you expect from a rookie quarterback making his first start. I think it was you know some pretty cruddy weather uh, in Washington at the time. So you know, had some you know a little bit of adversity things he had to deal with. And you know, again, seemed poised, seemed comfortable, made some solid throws to the pocket. Uh, he's got a certain level of mobility that I like uh, from any quarterback. So 
Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's got to be the guy going into next season uh, for Washington. If I'm not mistaken, I think Heineke uh, departed. Uh, yeah, he's uh, in elsewhere. Atlanta. He's in Atlanta now. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fine with him going with Heineke. But again, there's it's kind of like Trey Lance. Like there's I don't really have a ton to judge him off of. I know he was solid at North, North Carolina, um, but you know, wouldn't it be ironic if if Drake May, who was his uh, you know, his successor, comes in and replaces I, I, him? But. If I if I don't get Caleb Williams and if I have a shot at Drake May, sure. I'm not losing any sleep if I'm a I, Commanders fan. And trust me. You know, I, I felt that way in 2012, even though we missed out on Andrew Luck, we had RG3 and I thought RG3, we would have had a future, but unfortunately injuries, the injuries got him, yep. derailed his career. But when I look at Sam Howell, just watching him. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He reminds me, as a player, not as a person or personality, Baker Mayfield. He's kind of built like Baker Mayfield, six okay. feet, six one ish, two two fifteen, two twenty five ish. Has a strong enough arm, the deep ball. If he could become the second coming of, I, I'm just Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. If hypothetically speaking, that's a big if. Then if I'm Washington, okay, this is the best quarterback I've had in a while. The best quarterback I've had was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So if I'm Washington, I'll, I'll, I'll leave with that. But I don't I don't see that with Sam Howell. I think he'll be solid, but I don't know if he's the long-term solution at quarterback. But we'll see how he performs in 2023. It seems like he's the guy for them to be the week one starter. And if that doesn't happen, we still have Jacoby Brissett. Quality backup, like him a lot. But um, neither of those two quarterbacks I see as the long-term solution. Let's talk about um, Chase Young. I know a lot of people have asked me about Chase Young. I mentioned that I was on Ryan's podcast, rumors about him being traded to the Steelers. In your opinion, do you see Chase Young being traded? Because, again, the commanders, they did not pick up his fifth-year option. What do you think that the commanders, in your opinion, what they should do with Chase Young? Because durability that has been the question with him. Well, not picking up the fifth year option was was a big telltale sign. You know, to, to use another example, who uh, a team in the NFC East did not do that last year. That was you know Daniel Jones. You you kind of imagine that the Giants it was sort of boom or bust. Like we're going to move on from you, or we're going to uh, you know give them the contract that they, that they gave him. Uh, for Chase Young, listen, he had a spectacular rookie season. Was one of even as a rookie, one of the premier pass rushers in the National Football League. You mentioned the last couple of years he he's dealt with a plethora of injuries, including the opener uh, back in twenty twenty one. You know, it really kind of halted the momentum that he had going into this past season my thing is if if you don't pick up the fifth year option and you run the risk that it is you know sort of a boomer bust i'm fine with that because he's still a young player he's still you know he's not 32 years old it's not like a, a veteran About player 24 25 years old 24 25 years old you consider that again the, the upside he has being the second overall pick having the rookie season winning defensive rookie of the year uh the right. way that he did back in 2020 
my thing is, and you mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers thing, if you're even considering moving, moving on from him or if he doesn't feel like he has a future in the Washington organization, then I would just go ahead and move him, see if you can get something in return for him. Because, listen, right. uh, a, a team like Pittsburgh, obviously that's that's past Russell Central, led by T.J. Watt. Uh, they, I think they would be a perfect fit former for T.J. Former defensive player of the year. Former defensive player of the year, exactly. Um, you know, Mike be a- Tomlin background, and we all know how Mike Tomlin is as a head coach. Never had a losing record under his watch. And is one of the best defensive guys in the league, so I think that'd be Absolutely. a perfect spot for for Chase Young. But also, too, I mean, listen, let's let's not let's not bang on Ron Rivera. He's he's been one of the better defensive coaches uh, going back to his time in Carolina and even to now in Washington. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a matter of where Washington sees him as a part of their future. Again, not pick up the fifth year option sort of gives you a little bit of a look into that. Um, so, if that's the case, if they feel like they he's not going to be there long term, then I would go ahead and move on from him. Yeah, um, I would love to still keep him now if he can have a breakout year then of course we're gonna have to take care of him and damn we're gonna have to pay him a ton of money kind of like how the Giants did with Daniel Jones but that's on Washington because again they didn't pick up his fifth year option and durability has been a huge question mark with Chase Young not his talent not his upside not his potential um there's another defensive player uh, and if we do trade him we're definitely not going to get a first round pick we're probably at best maybe third, fourth, fifth round pick for Chase Young. That's probably if we do decide to trade him. Definitely not a first round pick given his durability and production over the past couple of seasons. And let me suggest something to you too. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea to to trot him out there in training camp as soon as he's healthy, play five, six games in the year. And if we assuming Washington's going to struggle this season the way that we both think they will, listen, it, the, the better instance is if you have a team, because listen, desperation can go a long ways. We get to around week eight, week nine, around the time the trade trade deadline is. What if there's a team that lost their star pass rusher for the season and could really use a guy like Trey Young or Trey Young, uh, 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 Chase Young on a you know a short uh, half season, sort of like what the Rams did to a just to a great degree, but what the Rams did with Von Miller. Um, you know, I think you could get a greater package potentially for Chase Young should you make that move in midseason. And other than Pittsburgh, do you see any other team that Washington that could trade for Chase Young? Because I would hate to trade him to any NFC team. If I'm going to trade him, I'd rather trade him to the AFC because I don't want to have to deal with him for a long period of time. I think Atlanta potentially makes sense. Uh, that that's a team that's really struggled defensively. Now that's that's Detroit. More than Detroit, yeah, Detroit struggled defensively. They, they could use him as a pass rusher. Um, I think trying to think about AFC teams. Uh, let's see, teams are on the break. Maybe Jacksonville, although they have some some solid passers. They have Josh Allen. Uh, and they also drafted the number one. Um, oh, that's right. Twenty twenty two. I think it's Walker from Georgia. Yep. Yeah, Trayvon Trayvon Walker. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, those are those some teams. Houston, you know, you have a defensive coach in Houston, sort of a rebuilding franchise there. Maybe they could, uh, you know, with uh, try to get Ryan's Will Anderson. That'd be a good sort of one-two combo. I, I think some of those teams. I, I think he's more. If you trade him in the preseason, it feels like he's more likely to go to a team that's more in rebuild mode. Uh, right. But if if you trade him, you know, any other other time, it could it could be towards a contender, and maybe maybe they decide to take the risk on him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're Washington, and that that's if and only if if you want to make that trade. Um, I want to talk to you about another defensive player, Montez Sweat. Um, he probably will be entering free agency, and I think he's definitely great on the outside. Ryan mentioned it, our defensive line on paper, really good defensive line. I mean, the interior, we have Darren Payne, Jonathan Allen, and on the outside, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Talk to me about him. 
Yeah, that's one of the better front fours in the NFL. I mean, that outside of Philadelphia and San Francisco, I mean, Kansas City's is good, but man, that's that's certainly among among the the bottom half of the NFL. Washington probably has the best front four uh, in the yeah, National no Football joke. League. They're no joke. You know, Montez Swell, you know, he's, he's one of the more athletic players in the league. Is, is great coming off the edge. Um, you know, is a guy who's, who's capable of making big plays. I remember a few years ago, he had like a pick six on Thanksgiving against Dallas. Like very. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember that game. I remember I that play. Losing it. Like, against, yeah, against Andy Dalton. I mean, listen, this is a guy who's athletic. Who's who's twitchy? I mean, you you talk about veteran guys like Jonathan Allen, like Deron Payne. Uh, listen, it seems like Washington has has a real like knack for for drafting SEC guys, which that that's that's it's never a bad bet to make in terms of especially drafting defensive players. So, uh, you yeah, no, you, you Tennessee dude. Hey, listen, it's that that conference. They say it just means more in the SEC. I'm telling you, man, it's it's no joke. But uh, <laughs> you know, as for Washington, look, that's that's a. I would be more keen on keeping Montez Sweat just for the durability purposes, uh, as opposed to I would with with, uh, with with Chase Young. So, uh, yeah, I think Montez Sweat is a tremendous player. Speaking more of the SEC, I want to talk about another player, Emmanuel Forbes. Now we drafted mm. him with the 16th overall pick. I previously thought, okay, they could have gone with an offensive lineman, Darnell Wright, as I mentioned from Tennessee. They drafted Emmanuel Forbes at cornerback. I don't mind the pick. But over Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, and even yeah. though Emmanuel Forbes is a ball hawk, I mean, didn't he have like 14 interceptions in like three years in Mississippi State? He can get his hands on the ball. But the concern, however, is his frame. I, I, I think he's a little too skinny. What do you think about Emmanuel Forbes based on watching him? From a build, and I'm glad you brought up the you know his sort of frame not not being one of the bigger guys. That seems he seems to be destined to be more of a, a slot corner, nickel corner, uh, taking mm-hmm. more of the you know it's like like a Hunter Renfro type guys uh, on the inside uh, in between the numbers. Um, listen, I you guys f- folks who've watched Carving It Up live and and watched uh, the NFL Draft Show know that I absolutely love Christian Gonzalez. And I even read a report today in New England that he is just blowing you know scouts away or not scouts away blowing. Patriots coaches away. Um, yeah, so I, I thought I would have taken Gonzalez in a heartbeat uh, over Emmanuel Forbes. But look, if, if Washington feels comfortable with the, the, the direction they're going as an organization, they've struggled in the secondary for years. Uh, if this is the guy they think fits their scheme and what they want to do going forward, uh, again, I think if he fits more as a guy on the interior uh, you know, uh, of the secondary, then listen, that's that's the decision they, they choose to make. But as for me, Christian Gonzalez is, is a freak athlete. Uh, is a main coverage. And you mentioned him, uh, Forbes having 14 picks in three years, him being a ball hawk. I've always, always been very uh, hesitant with ball hawks about designating them as the premier corners in the NFL. Because right. if you look at guys like uh, Richard Sermon's a prime example, first two, three years of his career, his interception numbers will through the roof. They plummeted the, the you know following years after that. Why? Quarterbacks weren't going to throw his way. They weren't going to challenge number 25, uh, Darrell Revis. They called it Revis Island for a reason. Uh, the fact that that quarterbacks continue to challenge Emmanuel Forbes is a little bit concerning. Uh, yes. Now, to his credit, he's able to make plays on balls, which is very encouraging if you're a Commanders fan. But again, the ball hawk type I've always been more skeptical of. I'm, I'm more of a... a, a I'm more of a, a, a uh, pure shutdown corner, pure shutdown corner guys who, you know, can take any, any and everybody. I, I think Forbes is a little bit limited in that regard that Christian Gonzalez is not. That's, that's my opinion. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to mention Trayvon Diggs because in 2011, he had like a huge year as far as interceptions. I, I, I don't know how many interceptions that he had in 2021, but 
despite all those interceptions and pick sixes that he had, he gave up like so many like yep. yards. So that and to his credit, he improved drastically in 2022 as a pure cover did. corner. Yeah, he, he did. And hopefully maybe Emmanuel Forbes can take that next step up. So that's the kind of concern with those Bullhawks. Yes, they can grab a lot of interceptions, but they can also give up a lot of big plays, though. And again, the frame, that is a concern with Emmanuel Forbes. So hopefully over time, um, he spends a lot of time in the weight room, tried, uh, tries to develop his man body. But, you know, if he can produce, I'll live with it. As a Commanders fan, I'll be fine with it. Um, I want to talk about the new ownership, Josh Harris. I don't know if you've heard me on the podcast. I, I've said it before. Words cannot even begin to describe how I feel that Dan Snyder is no longer the owner of the Commanders. He's been owning the team, I think, since 1999. They have been a disaster, a horrendous embarrassment since he took ownership of the team um, from the Albert Hainsworth free agency signing to all the horrible things has happened. The only thing I was happy about in 2004 was Joe Gibbs becoming the head coach of the team who helped us, who previously helped us win three Super Bowls, of course. And of course, God rest his soul. And one of, and if not the reason, one of, if not the reason why I became a Commanders fan was, of course, the late, great, God rest his wonderful soul, Sean Taylor. So, how do you feel as a Commanders fan with the new ownership of Josh Harris? Daniel Snyder is no longer there, and he needed to go, given the embarrassment on and off the field issues, off the field, of course, the name of the team, um, the sexual misconduct, sexual harassment situations. How do you feel with the new ownership in Washington? And uh, I apologize for the noise in the background. That's my mom <laughs> losing it. I, there's nothing I could do about that. But Bryson, tell me how do you feel with the new ownership? Well, first of all, I didn't have to. I, I did watch uh, your reaction when you were talking about Dan Snyder and just the the elation and the joy that that just poured out of you on that show uh, and on social media. But the reality is, I didn't really have to watch it because I already knew that you uh, you speak for every Commanders fan. When it was just like it's your your long national nightmare has finally come to an end uh, now that Snyder no longer owns the team. I don't know all that much about Josh Harris. I know Magic Johnson uh, is involved in that ownership group. As far as Josh Harris, I don't know a ton about him. Um, he owns the New Jersey Devils and okay. also the Philadelphia 76ers, which is why I've been on the record saying trust the process, and I hope maybe he gets <laughs> Sam Hickey and probably tanks the rest of the season. I don't believe that'll happen, but if he does, hey, I'll live with that. Yeah, <laughs> because he did end up getting Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, so. Yeah, I mean, listen. If, if you know, he's had a fairly now outside of championship success that's been kind of limited in Philadelphia. But you know, you you take if Washington becomes the next Philadelphia, I think you'll take that before you would, uh, you know, before you would where, where you're at right now. Yeah, with Dan Snyder, I I think it does. I think it goes without saying he's been the he's been at the seller of owners. If you want to talk about a guy who just sold the Hornets and Michael Jordan, if you want to talk about James Dolan with the New York Knicks, there's been plenty of guys who've been total train wrecks uh, owning franchises and people forget. like people of my generation. We think about Washington as just this dumpster fire franchise. Maybe they make the playoffs every half decade or so, but never really much of a championship threat. Like people forget how much of an NFL juggernaut they were back in the 80s and the 90s uh being one of the better defensive teams you mentioned joe gibbs uh who's uh, one of the most great offensive line Doug great Williams offensive lines mean, the first black quarterback yep. to win a super bowl joe theisman um a lot of great tradition in history with washington but since snyder took ownership it 
And it, and it goes to show you how important ownership is, you know, in sport. I mean, look at Stan Kroenke with the Rams, with the Nuggets, the success that he's had oh, there. Yeah. Um, he, he's done a spectacular job. So you, you certainly, if you're a Commanders fan, you hope that Josh Harris does well. I, I think just by having a pulse, he's better than uh, Dan Snyder and, and hopefully won't put the organization in the, certainly in the legal positions that uh, he put them in. Uh, you know, certainly yeah. with, you mentioned with the whole controversy and the, just the refusal to to change the team name for for years. Uh, and, and finally, once sponsors, listen, we, we talk, I talk about this with the PG. And live golf tour money. Uh, the bottom line, you know, says all. Like we, we, it, it's going to control things. And once sponsors start to pull away, he's like, okay, I guess I don't really have much of a choice. Uh, but it, just to, how he griped and moaned about that. So, yes, it, it's a new day in Washington. It's certainly a a more optimistic look for for the Commanders moving forward. Uh, and so, listen for for Daniel Snyder to be out of there. Just uh, you, by that, the the Commanders are going in the right direction. So he's you should be very very happy that he, he is uh, he is no more in in Washington. Well, I'm very satisfied that he's no longer there anymore. And, of course, you brought up a great point, money. Owners, they don't like losing their money. And you mentioned the sponsors, FedEx, Nike, Amazon. They were like, until you change the name of the team, we're no longer going to do any business. We're no longer going to collaborate with you. And that was in the aftermath of all the injustices, the George Floyds, the right. Breonna Taylors, Ahmaud Aubrey's. So, he decided to change the name of the team when he previously said we will never change the team and you could put it all in caps. And um, with Dan Snyder, I'm like, goodbye, good riddance. It was just time for him to move on. The writing was on the wall. So, and I'm going to continue talking about with the ownership and with this franchise a lot of other issues that has happened with this franchise, the stadium. Oh, yeah. It, 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 to say that is, I, I don't know what words to put in the proper context or perspective, but what says you when you think of the stadium? If there's one, if there's one image in my head, I mentioned we were talking about Kyler Murray, and the one image I think about with Kyler in the playoffs is the awful pick six against the Rams. If I'd use that same uh, analogy that same uh, thought process towards uh, towards FedEx Field. It would have to be. Remember a, a year and a half ago when uh, the fans collapsed on the railing on top of Jalen Hurts. Yes, uh, I, I remember that. Yeah, that was Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then it, the Cowboys, oh, I'm sorry, the Cowboys-Washington game in which there was, like, sewer water. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's – and that, that's – we, we've seen – and Washington's lucky that they've been one of the kind of, uh, I wouldn't say iconic, I don't think they're on the level of like the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Steelers or something, but they're sort of in the, in the his, from a historical standpoint, they're sort of in that second tier of uh, of organizations we all think when we think NFL. Uh, so, so they're lucky in that regard, especially them playing in a big market uh, in our nation's capital, albeit they play in Landover, but yeah. You, you you think about the fact that you know you're seeing baseball with the Oakland A's. You saw with the with with the Raiders who are now you know in in Vegas. Uh, you've seen with plenty of others teams where. 
if the, if if the if the powers that be don't allow them to get a new stadium or, or don't you know put the funding in place to get a new stadium, the city loses the team entirely. So Washington has initially had to worry about that aspect of it, uh, and so there's sort of been this this nonchalant attitude attitude towards towards a new stadium. I mean, you're seeing Jacksonville with plans for a beautiful new looking stadium. I know in my state of Tennessee, I cannot wait to someday go to to the new Titan Stadium. Almost looks like I'm going to call it like uh, Southern SoFi. I mean, it looks unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, some some of the designs that got from this Buffalo's new stadium. So listen, the time is changing. Uh, the, the the times are changing the NFL in terms of uh, how these organizations have put together these these beautiful. Because the th- thing is too that we we forget this oftentimes. We think about the NFL and all this, and we think about just f- football individually. NFL is an entertainment business, and you want the the stage to be a a a marketable thing. You want it to look good on television and. Quite frankly, Washington Stadium doesn't look great. I know right. one of the real issues with the stadium is is it's almost like an arena league to a certain degree, with the 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 back of the end zone is really close to to the wall uh, where the first row of fans are. Yes. So. And by the way, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong because you know more about this than, than I do as a Commanders fan. Uh, is is the stadium not built on Native American burial grounds as well? I think I've heard that. Uh, uh, not off well. the top of my, but that's what I've heard. Though I'm not yeah. exactly so sure. But so there's not a whole lot of good, you know, uh, uh, that goes on there at FedEx Field. I'm glad that you mentioned that, and um, I just think with Washington, with not only the new stadium, the new location. You mentioned it's in Landover, Maryland. Should they move the team to DC? to make it an attractive commodity. Cause when I think of the commanders right now, they're kind of like the Knicks. They're a well-known franchise, but they're also the clown franchise because of the disasters and things that have transpired. So what do you think about that? I mean, if they're able to, to negotiate a deal and be able to, to move it to DC, I think it'd be much better. I mean, obviously you've got a, uh, you got the cow. I think it's still called the capital one arena where the wizards play. You've got, uh, the Nationals ballpark, which is beautiful. So, you know, if, if you're able to move it amongst the other teams, the Washington Capitals as well, who play at Capital One Arena, like if you're able to to bring them amongst the other teams in in Washington, I think that'd be I think it'd be great from a a uh, from being in, in that big market and maybe attract more free agents potentially. Yeah, um, you also mentioned Magic Johnson is involved with Josh Harris as well. What do you think? Magic Johnson could do as far as helping the commanders because we all know what he's done with the Los Angeles Lakers. I feel like every time he touches something just like that, it turns out well. How do you feel about it with Magic Johnson? Yeah, you mentioned just about everything he touches turns to gold. We, we think not to get into an NBA discussion, but we think about uh, you know Michael Jordan and some of his successes off the court with Jordan uh, brand and whatnot. But we forget how great of an entrepreneur that Magic Johnson has been on his post career. And you know, you, you mentioned everything he's touched turns to gold. Whether it's been uh, the Dodgers, whether it's been the LA Sparks of the WNBA, and you know, when he had you know he had some ownership there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think if Magic Johnson's involved in anything, it's probably going to turn out pretty well for for whoever's involved. I don't think he'll have. I, I listen. He's not the type of dude that I, I don't think would have like a like a hands on necessarily again because I don't know enough about Josh Harris to know if he's like the hands on owner or sort of the the delegate, let other people do their jobs sort of thing. So listen, I I don't know what Magic's role is going to be in that, but I do know that's it's it's let's put it this way: it's better to have Magic Johnson in the building than not. 
Right. It's better to have him than nothing. Um, I, I don't believe he'll have huge input. He'll have some input because obviously, you know, Magic Johnson is a very busy man, entrepreneur. And of course, we all know his other things, the Magic Johnson movie feeders, the 24 hour fitness centers, the Burger Kings, the Starbucks, you know, the other investments that he's owned. And of course, you know, Magic, you know, family man, stuff like that. So I'm so I don't know if Magic's going to have a huge input, but it's better to have him than nothing. I mean, it's better than what we've had before yeah. with Daniel Snyder. So for Washington, it's a lot to look forward to. I want to talk about NFL predictions. Um, I have Joe Burrow winning the league MVP. I believe Joe Burrow is going to have a monster year. And I think it's either going to be the Bengals or the Bills. I think this is going to be the first time that the Chiefs may not make it to the AFC Championship. And they've made it five wow. consecutive seasons. And it's hard to count against Mahomes and the Chiefs, though. But at some point, the streak has got to end. So what are your NFL predictions for this upcoming season? Well, I usually, you know, from a broad perspective, whether it's standings, whether it's award, uh, you know, awards, be it MVP, et cetera, be it uh, who wins the Super Bowl, I usually reserve that for my NFL prediction show, like right before or on opening day. But as far as what I'm thinking for, uh, you, you mentioned the AFC, and Joe Burrow is by no means a bad pick to win MVP. I could absolutely see him winning most valuable player. I could absolutely see Cincinnati right back in the AFC championship game for the third year. I'll tell you this, uh, uh, Parnell, to two, I guess, bold prediction I have from, you know, as far as teams, I'll do in the AFC and the, the NFC. I think Buffalo has a chance to potentially miss the playoffs. I do not like their chances. Wow. I, I, I don't. I, it's th There's bad, bad vibes around that organization, not just with the Stephon Diggs thing, but like people are just totally forgetting the fact that Leslie Frazier, who was a tremendous defensive coordinator, is now gone, just randomly taking a year off from football, which is very uncommon and very odd, I think, for a, an organization in Buffalo where like, hey, they're, they're in the Super Bowl mix every year since they've gotten Josh Allen. Uh, the offensive line is still struggling. They cannot, for the life of them, develop a running game. Uh, Von Miller, again, he's coming back from injury. He's up there in age. What's the production that he's going to give you? Uh, they've had other oh. defensive players. And plus, listen, this is a, an AFC uh, East where, obviously, I don't think New England's going to be very good, but Miami's probably got the best overall roster in the NFL. It's just going to come down to how how well Tua plays and if he can stay healthy. And for the Jets, this is it's one of the greatest seven-win teams that I've ever seen that didn't have great quarterback play last year. Well, it's safe to say they've upgraded in that regard, adding Aaron Rodgers. So, and again, the AFC to me is by a by a country mile the better conference from as far as depth, as far as contenders, teams that we think can win the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I, I don't. And again, Josh Allen, this is again second year without Brian Dable to see make adjustments in terms of uh, you know being able to come back from a, a bad turnover problem he had last year. Like there's, I, I've always said this in sports that. If I have more questions than answers about whether or not you can contend for a championship, then you're probably not a championship contender. Um, I'm not necessarily saying Buffalo's not going to make the playoffs, but they it, it is going to be a battle just to get there. I'll, I'll put it that way. And then as for the NFC, uh, and I've mm -hmm. been I've been on the record on this for a while. Mark my words, the Detroit Lions will play in the NFC title game. I'm guaranteeing it right here, right now. They've got one of the best offensive lines in the league. One of the best wide receiving cores in the league. They just added Jameer Gibbs, who I absolutely love. I think he's the second coming of Alvin Kamara. Their defense was really their issue last year, and they patched up their secondary. They added Cam Sutton. They added Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, heck, I mean, you even suggested, hey, why not add Chase Young? I think they'd be a great fit for them. 
Um, they've got one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, good special teams. They play in a weak division in a weak conference. Who's to say that they couldn't upset us, maybe a San Francisco or a Philadelphia and get there. I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but there's always, there seems to be one team every year uh, or every other year that we're like, how the heck did they get to the conference title game? I think Detroit's going to be that team that really takes everybody off guard. That is really shocking to me that you actually don't see Buffalo making to the play. I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a struggle for them to get there. Okay, and that that's more fair to say because when you look at Miami, it all depends on Tua's health, if he could stay healthy. And when I look at the Jets, okay, now they finally have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. The only reason why they didn't make the playoffs last year was because of the quarterback situation in Zach Wilson. So Aaron Rodgers, he's in a new organization. We can finally end all this mess about him in Green Bay, et cetera, et cetera. So now he's in New York. There's going to be a lot of expectations on him. When I look at the NFC, San Francisco is still in the discussion because I still love Kyle Shanahan. Yep. Um, D'Amico Ryans is no longer there as the defensive coordinator. But again, I think Steve Wilkes is the new defensive coordinator. He'll mm -hmm. step in. He'll be fine. The question, however, is Trey Lance. Is it going to be Trey Lance or is it going to be Brock Purdy? Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer there anymore. So who is Kyle Shanahan going to start with with week one? And I've said this with the 49ers. Is it Trey Lance or should have been Mac Jones? I thought it should have been Mac Jones that the 49ers should have drafted. That's not to say that Mac Jones will be a great transcendent quarterback or anything like that. I thought he would have been a better fit for Kyle Shanahan with the West Coast offense, the play action. I think they just took Trey Lance because of upside and potential. Trey Lance, it's unfair to judge him because we've only seen him play like two games. Some have given up on him because he only played one game in 2020 in North Dakota state, albeit because of, of course, the pandemic. How do you feel about Trey Lance? And how do you feel about the San Francisco 49ers? Because the past two seasons, they've been to the NFC championship game. Yeah. I mean, obviously the quarterback situation is, is the number one story in San Francisco. I, I I've been on the record. Heck the more importantly, the 49ers been on the record. I heard George Kittle the other day talking about it. Like, if Brock Purdy's ready to go week one, like he's the guy. They've been made that abundantly clear. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to have us. I, I get, people get blinded oftentimes. Like we talk about, hey, he was drafted in the seventh round. Well, you know, there, there's plenty of guys in this league that have been undrafted that have been you know the greatest player in the league history is a sixth round pick. Like we can't just base it off of uh, you know where a guy was drafted, but he comes in, goes eight and zero, plays excellence. Like he's it's not the typical eight and zero where he's like Mr. Game Manager, running game kind of carries him. No, Brock Purdy made big time throws last year. Um, you know, the scoring went up, the efficiency. Uh, and the passing game went up when he replaced Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think Purdy's the clear guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think San Francisco probably is the best roster in the NFL. I mean, name every single unit, even kicker. I love the kid. I, I didn't love them moving on from Robbie Gold, but they drafted that kicker from Michigan, who's was the best kicker in college football. Yeah. Every single unit in, in the San Francisco 49ers, they have at least one elite player. Be it the linebacking core, be it the defensive line, be it this, even the secondary. I love that Hufunga kid they've got as safety. Uh, they've got an elite running back, elite offensive lineman, elite wide receivers, elite tight end, elite head coach. Like it, it's all going to come down to, to, to the health of their team. Like they've been, they've dealt with more injuries than I think any team in football over the past half decade or so. So yeah, I think San Francisco is, would it shock me if they get to the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Yeah, uh, I'm, and also another team that I'm actually very intrigued to look at in the NFC. Some people have mentioned Atlanta because of Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. 
it, it all depends on how we see Desmond Ritter play. But I'm actually I'm interested in seeing the Green Bay Packers. This is going to be Jordan Love first year as a starter. Um, I don't see him becoming the next Aaron Rodgers or the next Brett Favre, the next great Green Bay Packers quarterback. But I do think it's going to be intriguing to watch him play um, with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, some of the pieces that they have. I don't know about Green Bay. I don't see them making the playoffs or anything, but I do think they're going to be exciting to watch, um, especially with Jordan Love. What do you think about it? I don't. I think they'll be one of the most unwatchable teams in the NFL. You really do? Yeah, I, I really do. Um, yeah, we, we brought up. We were talking about Sam Howell early in the show, and I talked about like, hey, I mean, I, I like the kid. He's got poise. Like, there's some things that, that they're good there. Not sure if he's necessarily the future, but there's not a whole lot to base it off of outside of just one star. And again, he was just rookie. If Jordan Love had been what the Packers keep trying to tell us he was. Parnell, they would have moved, moved on from Aaron Rodgers. They would have moved on from Aaron Rodgers two years ago because the fact, like, hey, again, you think that why the Chiefs go jump so quickly? Alex Smith made the Pro Bowl and they traded him because they have they knew what they had in Patrick Mahomes. This is year four for Jordan Love. Like, if he doesn't pan out this year, then they got to move on. Um, listen, Christian Watts, I think, is one of the good young receivers in the league. Can fly. Had, he had a bad case of the drops for the first half. Of the season came on in the second half. Uh, it's a Packers defense. I think is solid. Jair Alexander is one of the top corners in the NFL. They've got some good talent in the secondary, although they just lost Adrian Amos. It seems like just mm-hmm. about every player that departs Green Bay goes to join Aaron Rodgers. Um, but it, listen, it, it, you still got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, solid running game, decent offensive line. Um, but man, it, we only saw Jordan Love. The only t- two times that we've seen him in a in a great capacity was the start in 2021 against Kansas City when he really struggled. And then last year came in for relief uh, for Aaron Rodgers in the Philly game. It looked pretty good. Um, again, there's not a lot to base it off of, but that's, I, I think Green Bay is going to be one of the worst teams in the, in the National Football League. You're talking about four or five win team. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, I think Detroit's better. I think Minnesota's better. I think Chicago's going to take a step in the right direction. There's been a lot of positive reports about how Justin Fields has looked during OTAs. Um, and there's been some very, very concerning reports about Green Bay and Jordan Love. And listen, the, the two most, in terms of the on-field product, the two most important uh, individuals to the success of a franchise, number one is the quarterback, quarterback. number two is the head coach. Uh, I think both at best, at the very best, are C minus. Uh, so I, I don't see Green Bay doing anything even in a week NFC this year. Well, I think if love doesn't turn out what doesn't pan out to what the Packers hope, then they'll probably move on. And if you say four or five wins, there's going to be some good quarterbacks in 2024. We've mentioned yeah. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Um, there could be um, other quarterbacks. The Washington quarterback, I think his name is Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. There's also um, Joe Milton out of Tennessee. I think think it could be really good. Also, yeah, and we forgot Quinn Ewers from Texas. Yeah, Yeah, we we can't forget him. But, um, I mean, this is going to – I just can't wait for football season, man. And and then, of course, in the NFC, there's another team I'm really interested and intrigued to look at. The South. The NFC South. Tampa Bay. And the reason why I say Tampa Bay, I don't have high expectations for them, but Bryson, I am an OU dude. Uh Uh-oh. I think this is it for Baker Mayfield. Four teams in six years. Four teams in six years. And it didn't turn out so well. And Russell Wilson in the AFC with Denver. I have been very critical of Russell Wilson. 
he was terrible last season by his standards. I think Denver, they've improved exponentially with the addition of Sean Payton. They hired Nathaniel Hackett, I think, in large part because they tried to get Aaron Rodgers and that backfired. So they get Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson had a terrible season. I think Russell Wilson is under the hot seat because if he doesn't get it done, Denver, with the new ownership, they can just eat up that contract and they can just move on from him. How do you feel about that? I don't know. That's a tough contract to eat up. You really handicap yourself for the next couple of years if you do that. I don't think, listen, Denver, I know I know it's a new ownership, but it's been a historically a very well-run franchise. I don't think they're just going to want to throw the next two seasons in, in the tank for the next two years just to you know eat Russ's contract. I, I think Russ is going to have a I, – I, I, too, was very critical of him last year. I was was the genius who preseason picked the Broncos to win the Super Bowl last year, so that shows you how much I know about football. Um, but, you know, listen, you, you add uh, – uh, you had Sean Payton, who's one of the, I think, three best offensive coaches in football up there with Andy reading Kyle Shanahan. Certainly Sean McVay would make a case for that as well. Uh, listen, he, he's a culture builder. I, I always say, like, people forget we talk about Drew Brees, who I personally think is a top 10 quarterback of all time. But if you think about Drew Brees and, and what he was pre-Sean Payton, good quarterback, but we were wondering, hey, does this dude even have a career? Does this guy, and even when he was healthy, good, but kind of like a middle-of-the-pack guy, like like sort of how we think about Tua now. He was sort of in that discussion. He gets Sean Payton, and all of a sudden, he's going to be a first-bout Hall of Famer. He held basically every important quarterback record at the time that he retired. Absolutely. Uh, so you pair him with Russell Wilson. Uh, Sean Payton, it appears, has totally changed the culture in Denver. Russ has lost a little bit of weight. He's got slimmer. So, yeah, I, I think uh, – I'm not saying Denver's going to be a championship contender because that's Kansas City's division to lose. Uh, but I, I, I see the Broncos as a 10-win team and a playoff team. Mm, and that's going to be interesting because, again, a lot of Chargers fans, they may not like hearing that because of how they feel about Justin Herbert. But Denver, I, I, I think Sean Payton and what I also love about Sean Payton, he won't tolerate any nonsense. He's yeah. his own man. He comes from the Bill Parcells coaching tree, which is why I, I couldn't stand Cowboys fans when Sean Payton was out there. They thought they could get their hands on Sean Payton. And I'm like, why? There's no way the Jerry is not doing it. Jerry is not giving up power. Any ordinary owner, yeah, they don't mind that. But Jerry, and I know I'm sounding old, but Jerry wants total control. He wants final say. Jerry's not only the owner, he's also the GM. And besides, if, if Jerry's going to allow someone to do their job, and Sean Payton wants to do his job, why would he take a job and give up less power? He's made a ton of money throughout his career in New Orleans, and he had a ton of autonomy. Why would he go somewhere else in Dallas, even though it's great, America's team, long star state, no state income taxes? Why would he go to a franchise with an owner and GM who has the final say and the face of that franchise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, 100%. All right. So... Last subject before we end the show. Again, Bryson, I appreciate you for taking the time, and I will definitely have you more on the show, and especially for preseason and for the regular season. Absolutely. Start, bench, or cut. Um, It's going to be involving a commander's player, of course, because it is commander's demand, and wide receivers. Three wide receivers. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, who would you start, bench, or cut? I would start Jamar Chase. I would bench Terry McLaurin 
and I would cut Devontae Smith. And the only reason why I would cut Devontae Smith is because I haven't seen him take that next step up as that number one wide receiver. Now, in fairness to him in 2021, when he was a rookie, Jalen Hurts was nowhere near the passer as he was last season. But at the same time, A.J. Brown is their number one wide receiver. But I think Devontae Smith is a very excellent wide receiver. Great number two. He was great coming out of Alabama. Terry McLaurin, we've seen him as that number one wide receiver. And we've seen him play with subpar quarterbacks throughout his career. And Jamar Chase, of course, despite the drops issue, still top five, top six wide receiver in the NFL. What says you? Uh, with your start bench, start bench cut, I completely, I mean, completely agree, complete agreement with you in regards to having Jamar Chase as the guy. I think with you know, and you could say, well, he has had Joe Burrow. You know, Joe's a guy who makes uh, you know all all players better. But listen, the reality was, you know, Cincinnati struggled at times as an offense. Uh, his rookie year and uh, Burrow's rookie year in twenty twenty before he got hurt. Yeah, Jamar Chase, one of the premier route runners, uh, one of the premier deep threats in the NFL. And I'm with you. To, to me, that separates McLaurin and Devontae Smith. And like you said, it's not even necessarily fair to Smith because he did have a tremendous rookie season, had over 1,000 yards. Uh, and like you said, Hurts wasn't the, 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 the quarterback that he is today. Um, and I think Smith is probably the best number two wide receiver in the league when you talk about him, guys like him, Brandon Ayuk, guys like that. So he's very much in that discussion. Uh, but Terry McLaurin, to use a, a phrase that, our guy Barry coined for DeAndre Hopkins. He's quarterback proof. It doesn't matter who you, who they toss out there. And, and listen, the commanders have had a, the definition of a quarterback carousel uh, the last really ever since Kirk Cousins uh, right. left to go to Minnesota. Man, it doesn't matter. He, he's still been as productive. He's one of the better playmakers. I, I'll never forget a ridiculous catch he made against the Chargers a couple of years back oh, yeah. in the opening day playoff game. So, you know, he, he's good in the slot, good outside, uh, good hands, good deep threat. Like, he's got just about everything you could possibly want in a wide receiver outside of maybe uh, like a, a Megatron size. Aside from that, he's 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 got the whole package. So, uh, you know, sort of like Garrett Wilson in with the Jets finally giving him Aaron Rodgers after playing through what he played through. So, if Terry McLaurin eventually gets a Caleb Williams next year, then and I'm actually I, I love the fact that you comp- the comparison with DeAndre Hopkins because I don't know I mean D hop but when you make it like that it, it makes sense because when you look at DeAndre Hopkins career the best quarterbacks that he's had were Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray the other quarterbacks he's had TJ Yates Matt Schaub Tom Savage Brock Osweiler, you know, all those quarterbacks that he's worked with are just guys. Yeah. And when you look at Terry McLaurin, he's had God rest his soul, Dwayne Haskins Jr. Um, He had Sam Howell for one game, Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith. God bless him. I mean, it, it was great to see him back in football after that horrible leg injury. But outside, he's never really had like a true legit quarterback to work with. And imagine the possibility of Washington getting a true legit quarterback. And I also hope they get a true legit tight end because I've been on the record saying they needed to get Darnell Washington. But damn it, they didn't get no tight end. Yeah. So um, I'm going to leave it with that. But um, yeah, Jamar Chase, I think top five, top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Of course, people will say, well, it's easy with Joe Burrow, but we all know that LSU connection and we all know jamar chase was the truth and a half and i think with Devontae smith i think brown and smith are the best wide receiver duo in the nfl in my opinion i mean okay. you can make an argument no, I, I, I probably agree with that well 
and it makes life a hell of a lot easier for Jalen Hurts. That still doesn't take away who Jalen Hurts is. And again, folks, I am an OU dude, and I love me some Jalen Hurts. And even though he plays for the Eagles, I'm, I'm very happy that he got his money. And I think he was the right decision for the Eagles to move on with in the aftermath of Carson Wentz. So I think 2023-2024 is going to be a heck of a season. Man, we can't wait. Only three months away of football. So anyway, folks, thank you again for tuning in to Commander's Demand Podcast. I want to thank again for our great guest, Bryson, for coming on the show. Please tell the audience where to follow you, my, my man. Yes, sir, man. Uh, on my show, Carving It Up, uh, live on YouTube. Subscribe there. Obviously, you can find my show here on the Grid Network as well, so definitely subscribe here to the Grid. Uh, social media platforms, Instagram, at Carving It Up Podcast, Twitter, at Carving It Up Pod. Uh, I don't even know what my ad is on TikTok, but just search Carving It Up, and it'll be on there. Uh, I try to stay on TikTok as as, as um as, as little as possible. It's it's, it's, just, it's not my favorite app. But uh, to find, find me on TikTok as well. Again, we t- I talk all sports, NFL, NBA, college football, baseball, whatever's going on. Heck, I even just talked about golf with the whole Live Golf Tour thing happening last week. So a lot going on in sports. NBA draft is tomorrow night. Tune into the Grids uh, NBA draft show. My man Mike Guido um, is going to be like our, our, our ultimate draft expert. So tune in tomorrow, 745 Eastern, 445 Pacific. It is the Victor Wimbanyama draft, no doubt about it. So looking forward to that. But uh, Parnell, appreciate you having me on the show, man. I'm very proud of you and your your growth as a podcaster and the growth of the show. And I don't know you're going to continue to do, to, to do great things. And so just keep at it, my man. Absolutely. We'll do. I will continue to do whatever I can. Thank you again, Bryson. Also want to thank the rest of the crew, Ryan, check out his podcast every Sundays. Of course, check out Barry's podcast, check out um the guys, man. And of course, Devin with his podcast at the bank, a lot of great content out there, folks. If you're interested please go like and subscribe to the grid network. Also, please like and follow and subscribe to my YouTube channel, sports PSP. You can also check me out on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and so much more. And with that, it's the end of the show. Good night, everyone. And as usual, folks, God bless. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.